Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. DEI, or diversity, equity, and inclusion, is a subject that often comes up but is not fully addressed. We can all agree that there's no room for racism or exclusion in our world today, but could you be guilty and not even know it? What is DEI? Why is it important? How does it affect your nonprofit? Those are some of the questions we're going to answer today on Impactability with our guest, Riley Randolph. Now, Riley holds an undergraduate degree in communications with a minor in interdisciplinary studies. And she had a focus in critical race theory during her studies. Riley is a grants manager at Sukup Strategic Solutions. She not only is writing grants, but she's also doing a lot of grant research as well. And she's written millions of dollars in grants. Her largest award to date was earlier this year when her community development block grant was approved for just shy of $1 million. Way to go. Very impressive, Riley. Welcome to Impactability. Thanks for having me, Joe. I'm excited to be here. It's great to have you here. This is a great topic, and I'm glad you're so passionate about it. And we're going to talk about your passion in a minute, but let's just jump right into it, starting with the obvious question. Let's break down what DEI is. DEI stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Mm -hmm. So diversity being defined as the practice or quality of including or involving people from different ranges of social groups, ethnic backgrounds, different genders, sexual orientations. So as nonprofits, the clientele that you serve is uniquely different for your organization. So you want to make sure that you use that. We define equity as the state of being equal, especially in status, rights, and opportunities. So, you know, within the past 18 months, especially because of COVID, we've seen a lot of funders particularly interested in the equity aspect of DEI. And then lastly, we have inclusion, which is the practice or policy of providing equal access and opportunities and resources for people who might otherwise be excluded or marginalized. So that in a nutshell is DEI. Because of COVID, we're seeing a lot of funders really honing in on DEI because, you know, they want to assist those marginalized peoples, especially in the face of a pandemic. Yeah. Now, having a nonprofit understand these terms, the definitions and how they apply, pretty good first step, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. So DEI is not something that you just want, you know, your higher ups, like your board of directors or your executive director to know. It's really something that you want the entire organization to be educated on because it truly does affect the entire organization from top to bottom. Why is it such a major topic today? DEI has always really been a topic amongst our nation, but more recently due to some of the racially charged incidents that have happened, it's really taken the front seat here. And we're not talking solely about the color of one's skin, though, correct? That's funny you mentioned that. So contrary to popular belief, DEI actually covers differences such as race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, age, disability status, and much more. Diversity is really the key word. So anything that makes you and I different technically is covered under the umbrella of DEI. So it could be color of your skin, race, the church you go to. There's there's a lot involved here that people probably don't think first off. 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the biggest factor when it comes to DEI, too, is also household income. So, you know, you've got to look at different tax brackets, how that impacts the life of, you know, the clientele that you're serving, and it, it impacts the services that you provide them too. Wow. And see, now that's something that I hadn't thought about. I, I was thinking more on that subject, and you mentioned it a, a moment ago. I'm thinking of ageism, which is another thing that's really starting to get a, a few more headlines. Absolutely. Yeah. DEI, there's a lot that is covered under that umbrella. And I think, you know, as you said, ageism and racism are the two bigger topics that people associate with DEI, but it covers so much more. What should a nonprofit be tracking? Excellent question. When it comes to collecting data, it can be intimidating. I know because I've done it myself. So here's a few different things that your organization should be tracking. First being demographics of your board, executive director, and leadership staff. Again, you know, over the past 18 months, we've seen a lot of funders asking for the racial makeup of boards and of staff members and of executive directors. And so it's so important to track that data because if they're asking, there's a reason why they're asking. So they want to make sure that your staff and your organization reflects the clientele that you serve. It's really important because you don't want to have your staff or your board 100% of one specific race when you claim you're serving, you know, a different race and then it's, it just doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. So next we want to talk about policies and procedures. So we've noticed that a lot of the financial institutions are honing in on DEI specifically. Um, so they're asking for your DEI statements, bylaws, and other documentation that establishes your nonprofit's ability to serve its clientele, no matter their age, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender, et cetera. Another item that you'll definitely want to track is demographics of the population that you serve. So, you know, this includes household income, geographic location, race, ethnicity, age, and things that you can use to show the funder that you're really serving a specific clientele without actually showing them a picture of the person you're serving. The, the data will be able to paint that picture for you. With grants, for instance, a grantor is going after a certain grant. Is Are those topics kind of important nowadays when it comes to going after a grant? The financial institutions are probably the biggest opportunity of which you'll see questions regarding DEI, but you know we've even seen it at the family foundation level. And so it's so important for nonprofits to be tracking this DEI information because you can use it not only just in grant writing, but you can use it in strategic planning when you're setting your organizational goals for the year. And then marketing too, because you've got to think the clientele you serve nine times out of 10, they're going to want to see someone that looks exactly like them on your board. So it's just little pieces of information like that, that you can utilize to better your organization overall. Well, now that helps to segue to boards, because as you're pointing out, and, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like what you're saying is you need to have kind of a, a diverse board if you really want to go after some grants and also the people that you're going after to ask for gifts. Oh, absolutely. Board demographics are key when it comes to DEI. So, you know, as you're starting to recruit board members, keep that in mind, you know, take an internal look. Who are the people that I'm serving and how can I best serve them based on getting individuals that look like them or that live where they live? You know, funders ask, does your board live in the community that 
your organization serves. So Riley, how can a nonprofit build the values of diversity and equity and inclusion into their operations? First, you have to start with your team and making sure that everyone understands what DEI is and how it affects their day-to-day lives. Once it resonates with your team, you'll find that it's easy to pick up opportunities every single day to institute DEI practices. We're speaking with Riley Randolph and we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. You're hearing those letters come up a lot and you're gonna hear a lot more and we're gonna hear a lot more from Riley in just a moment. We're gonna take a short pause, but when we come back, we wanna find out the things that your nonprofit can do right now to add some of those into your nonprofit today, especially if you're looking up and down and seeing, hmm, maybe you're not as diverse as you think you are. We're gonna find out more about that in just a moment. You are listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm Joe Turner, we'll be right back. One of the biggest challenges facing nonprofits today is securing grants. Where do I find information on grants? How do I write a grant? And how do I submit the grant? And then of course, the dreaded midnight deadlines. Hi, I'm Teresa Stos, and I have been there and done that. At Sukup Strategic Solutions, we have a team of expert grant writers with years of experience writing hundreds of grants for nonprofits just like yours. Visit our website today at SukupStrategicSolutions.com and schedule a free consultation about your grant writing needs. That's S-O-U-K-U-P strategicsolutions.com. Let's work together and get the grant that your nonprofit deserves. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Today, we're speaking with Riley Randolph about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Riley, I read a blog that you recently wrote on the subject of DEI, great blog, And it seems to be a really important topic to you. You even, in your bio, we read about your minor focusing in critical race theory. So it leads me to ask, why is this such an important topic to you? Why are you so passionate about it? Being a biracial woman, uh, I know exactly what it's like to be the outcast. So in college, like you said, I took courses about race theory and international relations and interracial relations because it's something that hits home to me. Growing up in a biracial household, I saw both sides of the fence when it came to privilege. So it's so beautiful to see that the world is really stepping up their game when it comes to DEI. And and I think the more we have conversations like this, the better off we're all going to be, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, the world is an ever-changing place and I just want to leave it better than I found it. And you got to think that, especially for a nonprofit, if they are more diverse, they're going to attract more people to the nonprofit, not only to volunteer or want to work or want to know more about the nonprofit and its mission, but also attracting a diverse board and in exchange, attracting a nice diverse giving community as well. If you really think about it, if you can appeal to the masses, then that's only going to benefit your organization. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that every organization has a specific clientele that they're looking to serve. But if Mm -hmm. you can broaden that clientele within your population that you're looking to serve, that's where you want to be. Yeah. Are there any self-assessments that a nonprofit can do to kind of check themselves on DEI? There are actually, I haven't conducted any myself, but I know that there are definitely some out there. So I would be interested in hearing what 
you know, some of the listeners have to say if anyone's conducted those DEI self-assessments. What are some of the things that nonprofits can do to like build a more inclusive organization? So I would say, don't be afraid to have those hard conversations. You know, nine times out of 10, a situation can be improved just by talking it out. Uh, I'd also say, you know, make sure that the population that you serve has role models that they can relate to within your organization. And lastly, track your data. You'd definitely be surprised as to what it'll show you. But let's be clear, don't do it for the sake of it. Do it for the reason behind it, correct? Absolutely, Joe. Don't just jump into DEI because funders are asking you about it. Do it because it's our civil duty as humans to strive for equality for everyone, no matter their race, gender, sexual orientation, or other demographics. Great point. What do, what do you think is a good way that an organization can show they embrace DEI? We briefly touched on it earlier, but having a strong DEI statement and making sure that your team represents the clientele that you serve and even incorporating diversity into everything you do. And make sure everybody on the staff from the board member down to a volunteer, everybody in between knows that you embrace diversity. So incorporating diversity into your organizational goals or your outcomes can be super beneficial and a good way of reminding your organization of the why behind DEI. The why behind DEI. I like that. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that that you'd like our listeners to know about, especially from you personally, about DEI and and why it is just so vital that nonprofits, businesses of all shapes and sizes, obviously, but nonprofits embrace DEI and, and make it a really important part and, as you mentioned, goal in their mission and in their organization? Great question. Um, We're actually at a turning point. You know, over the years, we've seen grantors and funders ask for more data, but that was more programmatic data. Now that we're looking truly at demographics and DEI data, that's definitely something that is going to catapult us into a, a new world, to be honest. And so it's very exciting to have these conversations and know that these topics are being brought up, you know, not just at the nonprofit level, but at the business level. And you know, just all around the world. So it's really exciting to know that we're having these conversations. Yeah. Riley, thank you so much for joining us today on Impactability and giving such an incredible schooling on an important topic. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Joe. Time now for Coach's Corner. This is where we take your questions that you send us and we ask our impact coaches the questions and we give them the chance to answer your questions. But the catch is they only have five minutes to do it. And today's coach is Cheryl Sukup, the president of Sukup Strategic Solutions. And Cheryl, it's a short question today, but trust me, this is not a short answer. So you've got five minutes. And the question is, do we need term limits for our board. Now, I'm sure you've heard that question a lot. Well, you've got five minutes to answer that question, Cheryl, and in your five minutes starts right now. Thank you, Joe. This is a great question. I get this question a lot, and my answer is always yes. It is best practice in governance to have term limits, and I think our experience as consultants Um, has been that a lot of the most severe dysfunction comes from board members who have stayed too long and other factors that can be addressed by really good bylaws. And one of the ways to prevent board members from staying too long is to institute term limits. There's so many benefits to having term limits. These would be written into your bylaws and they provide a structure that can prevent that 
dysfunction that comes from board members staying too long. I think one of the things that happens when you don't have term limits is that board members who are so very much appreciated for all they've done for the organization, those board members stay on too long because nobody wants to ask them to leave. They feel bad asking them because they have done so much to benefit the organization and they feel that that board member would then be offended. In reality, a lot of times board members who have been around for a really long time could use the break. But if nobody else steps up to fill that void, they're worried that the organization that they've invested so much into will not continue to succeed if they leave. Then there's just other board members who just don't want to go. It's time for them to go and they just don't realize it. So I want to give you a few tips on how you can institute term limits without offending board members. One is to allow for multiple terms and then opportunities to come back on later. So if your board has two-year terms for board members, you could allow up to three terms. So three terms times two years, that's six years. That's a pretty good long time for somebody to be involved as a board member. And then if they really are very committed to staying active as a leader and they really want to come back on the board, they can if you give them a year off and, the, and specify that in the bylaws. You can involve them on a committee, you can give them a special advisory role, et cetera, but they won't be serving on the board officially during that time frame. Another tip for you is to allow founders to stay. You can write into your bylaws uh, a specific mechanism by which founders are able to stay for their lifetime. And so that is not something that I would typically advise, but if that is the biggest barrier to having term limits, then I say it's better to allow those founders to stay and create that mechanism than to not have term limits for anybody. The next is to create an emeritus board. And this can often help a founder feel comfortable transitioning. And then other board members who've stayed on for a really long time and have been very committed to the organization and are still willing to be involved and still willing to donate to the organization and provide financial support, as well as at times advisory support, then you can invite them to serve on the emeritus board and convey emeritus status to them. So you'll be able to um, read more about emeritus status and what that means on our website. Another tip is to engage in succession planning. So if you know that there's somebody else that's able to step in as the vice chair and then the chairperson, then it's easier for the existing chairperson to leave, right? So if they're very concerned about the well-being of the organization, they may not want to come off of the board or come off of the chair position and move on because they are worried that the organization will suffer. And so one way that you can ensure that they have the flexibility and feel comfortable going is that there's a qualified and willing person to step into those positions. Another tip is to diversify your board. A lot of times we hear, well, we don't have an incoming board chair because no one has time. So we're going to extend the term of the existing board chair because there's nobody to take over. 
And I would suggest to you that this often happens in organizations in which the entire board is still working in their professions. They're busy at their jobs. Maybe they have families at home that, that need their time and their, their caring and their support. And so they have a very limited amount of time to serve on the board and volunteer with the organization. So one way to prevent this is to ensure that you have not only people who are working on your board, but also people who are retired, who have a little bit more time to spend. So those are my tips for you. There's more information about term limits and about founders and about emeritus boards on our website, which is impactability.net. Well, thank you for being our coach, Cheryl. Cheryl Sukup, president of Sukup Strategic Solutions, our coach today on Coach's Corner. Again, Cheryl, we appreciate your help. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joe. If you've got a question for Coach's Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.